is a podcast by the con artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game-related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, the con artists here. It's the end of winter 2020, which means that it's time to talk about what we watched and how it went and what we recommend to you. So... It's exciting. Let's uh, let's start with Chihayafuru, season three. So it wrapped up uh, at the end of this core, and I had a little bit of reservation last time. If you guys followed along with our podcast, uh, this this show is great. I mean, I think it really just oh good took took everything and, and redeemed itself for for me personally. I loved it. I was I was very happy. Um, there's high production values. You know, they continue through the rest of the core. Just the, the characters are so fantastic. I'll get into that in a little bit. The high drama is kicking in. Uh, it's finally time for both the boys to confess to Chihaya, which Ooh. throws her into a tailspin. Yeah, we got there. Yeah. So that was big. How long um, did it take? Our, uh, I know, three seasons and like between two and three. I don't even remember how many years it's been waiting for season three. Um, Arata actually loses. I won't tell you where, but no. yeah, he. Be- I know he becomes less of a god and more of a man. It's beautiful. Uh, Taichi's arc is definitely my favorite. He he really struggles a lot as a person, and I think watching his internal struggle and his journey through Karuta, it it really felt like they wrote a real person. There's a lot of weight to it, um, but not just him, like. Every character, I feel there's just so much love poured around all these people. Shinobu, Haruka, the woman who's a mother who I mentioned last time. Dr. Harada, Suo, the really eccentric current master. Like, he's just this weirdo who shows up all the time. And you're like, who is this guy? He was written for laughs, but he gets an actual backstory, which was which hmm. was really beautiful. Yeah. And there's so much reverence and weight put behind these people. They they feel real. None of that 2D nonsense. Um I want to just highlight something uh, big. I won't talk too much about the show itself. I mean, there's a lot of matches. It's all very emotional. It climaxes in something very emotional. Highly recommended. Mm. Um, I just I just want to give another shout out to how much the show shows beauty in age. And I mean the age of the characters. Like Dr. Harada, who's like in his 60s, still plays the game with extreme aggression. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just... He's he's held with a lot of respect, and a lot of the the characters are like, yeah, Doctor Harada has incredible game sense, you know, because he's older, because he's played this game for forty five some odd years. He's he's really good at it, and everyone takes that into account. So it's it's just this thing where it's not like, yeah, okay, the teenagers their bodies move faster, but that doesn't necessarily make them better. Uh, there's also Haruka, the woman who's a mother, and she um, she loses in a pivotal point in the show, and she's like, well, I'm going to have my third child soon. This is it. Like, I'm done. I'm out of the age bracket. And there's a, a reader, a very well-respected reader. By the way, the readers are more respected the older they get. This mm. woman's, like, in her 70s or something, but her voice is really well-trained, and everyone wants her as the reader. And she comes by and she's like, oh, you did so well. I hope to see you next time. And Haruka's like, I I think this is it for me. And she's like, why would you quit? You're so young. And she starts crying. Like Haruka starts crying. And I was like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Like every other hmm. show is like 
Madam, you're 30, which means you're actually dead. Here's the <laughs> coffin for you. Step inside. We'll seal you up. It'll be fine. It was beautiful. Really great. Um, That's so... true. This is definitely a rarity in anime to see anyone mm-hmm. over 30 uh, be allowed to exist. Yeah, seriously. Your options are more or less like old old man like hobbling down the street, old woman like saying like... Bent over uh, all the way, handing you tea. Yeah, 90 degree angle. Or if you're really lucky, like old master who probably dies at some point as part of someone else's character arc. Yes, that too. So just, once again, absolutely watch the show. Get on this. And uh, the only thing I will say is, once again, like with the previous podcast, if you had any investment in the other members of the Karuta Club, too bad for you. They First play like all, no part. What are you? what are you doing in this show? Wrong, yeah. wrong show. It's true, yeah. <laughs> like, no, you really should just be invested in the core three. But if you liked them working together, um, you know, Chihara... T- Chihaya, Taichi, and the the rest of their members, you don't get that at all, really, in season three. It's it's branching out into the world, meeting a bunch of other karate clubs, and uh, you know, really about that drama between our core three. But great show. Absolutely watch. Very nice. cool. So all what's right. happening next? So uh I know Sue and you and I have both been following uh My Hero Academia for God, it's the fourth season now, isn't it? Oh yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. And uh after the very dark uh way that the last major arc ended with like, you know, just some of the most serious and, you know, emotionally troubling uh storylines that the show has produced so far, this season was much, much lighter, I think. Yeah, they toned it down quite a bit. Yeah, and the focus these last several episodes especially have been on sort of not exactly rehabilitating our cast, but on bringing them back together. For a very long time, it was uh, basically Deku and uh, Lemillion and a couple of other hangers-on, you know, focused on this really important mission. And now it's more about them, you know, sort of getting back into school and sort of coming back you know, kind of coming back into regular daily life after this really serious operation. And I felt like it was a good change of pace. It kind of kept things a little bit fresher, sort of reminded us that, you know, at the end of the day, these are still teenagers. Yeah, like, the hero world is dangerous and everything, but the way the show started out was much more, you know, about, like, hope and positivity and, you know, being the best you can be and all that kind of thing. So it was nice to return a little bit to that, even if the way in which they do so is the shockingly like mundane uh cultural festival arc that we've seen in so many shows uh at least they don't in this spice case. it up at all for hero land oh well they'd spice it up with you know one heck of a floor show uh and various other like things going on but unfortunately the real um meat of the story aspect is given over to our villain of the week who was just the worst <laughs> Oh, good. Yeah, I was I was kind of intrigued how you'd feel about this, Dan. So the I'll call it the gentle arc uh-huh. uh, because he's his Scott. He's gentle criminal, said in English. Okay, wow. And he's basically this this guy who is bad with technology, and some girl falls in love with him, comes to his house, and is like, "I will help you put your terrible crimes online." And by terrible, I mean he's really bad at being a criminal. 
<laughs> um, so this this he aims arc, for the gentleman me... thief angle. So that's right, his yeah, thing. He, oh, yep. All right, that's that's always a fun angle. It's interesting because I'm going to steal your comment from last time, Dan. That it was neat to see him, just because the show really has sort of a a one side versus the other, a black versus a white, in that sense of. There's the heroes, right? And then there's the super villains, and there's nothing in between. Occasionally, some mugs, muggers, but nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, but like this gentle gave us in between, and he's he's a guy who failed out of hero school. He was just not good enough for almost anything, and so one fine day he picked up some literature about villainy which exists i want to get into that a little later but he reads about it and he's like you know what if i can't be a hero then i want to at least be a villain someone who has reverence and so he he gets into that and then posts his stupid crimes online but it was a neat little you know miniature bubble as to how someone goes bad in this world but not full tilt supervillain yeah and i think that was important for for the world building so so did he just go bad because he was like bored or there aren't enough jobs or what yeah there aren't enough jobs and in the sense of he was never good at anything like he really wanted to be a hero and when he failed out of school it crushed him from the inside out and then oh and then one time so his power is elasticity uh he can turn the anything he touches and make it elastic and so one time he tries to save somebody like a truck is falling and he attempts to stop the truck, and so he makes the air, like, pocket underneath it elastic, and it bounces the truck and crushes a guy. Whoops. Thankfully, it doesn't, like, kill him, I think, because it was it bounced too far below. Maybe it wasn't a truck. It was, like, a object. Whatever it was, Dan, I don't know yeah. Know. It was, but... like, a filing cabinet. It wasn't a truck. I'm sorry. Like, that makes no sense. It was, like, a filing cabinet or something very heavy, and it bounces, and then it it crushes somebody underneath thankfully they don't die but he's mortified and everyone it looks at him in the middle of the street and is like oh my gosh because a hero was coming to save them and he blocks the hero and bounces that filing cabinet onto the guy and i was like holy moly so he gets jail time like it's just bad news bears for him and i think he goes bad that way hmm but he tries to, you know, he tries to put a good face on it. He wants this, he, you know, he wants to be, again, sort of the gentleman thief type. Uh, he wants to, you know, he, he wants his crimes to be big and loud. And it's just that he's so, he's so incomprehensibly bad at it that that's probably why we've never heard of him up until this point, or at least that's the conceit I'm going with. And when it comes down to it, he's kind of like the training wheels villain. He's the... He's the kind of villain who can be extremely dangerous under the right circumstances, and he isn't a complete fool. He knows how to use his powers to very good effect, but he just is so like bad. Like the threat at... he represents is fairly low. Exactly, overall, until you learn what the special ability of his sidekick is. And I don't know if we want to spoil that necessarily, but... Uh... Yeah, we won't spoil it, but you, you gotta see it to... Get the effect. It really does need to be experienced. Um, but that sort of wraps up kind of the, the side story of the arc uh, when he and Deku get into uh, their into their little tussle. And uh, but the main story of it has been sort of this, you know, getting this 
getting the school, uh, getting the class back together, and everyone, you know, working together to pull off this, uh, to pull off this uh, cultural festival. Meanwhile, you know, the other bigger heroes are now sort of starting to see now that uh, All Might, the number one hero, is no longer, you know, on the front lines. Who is going to be the next, you know, the next big, uh, the next big star? And it falls to the previous number two, um, who is actually starting to get a bit more depth in character development now after being basically like this sort of off-screen background, eh, I guess, personal antagonist, if not like you know, an actual impediment to the story. Uh, yeah, he's a schmuck. He's a ah, uh, yeah, he's a he's a piece of work and. They're finally giving him, you know, some room to grow and change, which uh, I'm definitely glad to see. Um, his character's actually evolving somewhat, so we'll see how exactly that goes as the show is still, like, wrapping up as we record this, but uh, we'll see how it turns yeah, out. I guess I'll just toss in some some quick points. I love the show. <laughs> I, I actually really liked this the second half. I think we needed something softer. Oh, definitely. Post, uh, Chisaki, good gracious. Um... Like I, like we just yacked for several minutes. The gentle arc pisses me off a bit, and I also thought it was good. Uh, the the makes me mad part is that I'm so invested in these characters and their well being that when he almost jeopardized the cultural festival, I was infuriated. <laughs> I was like, I swear, if you ruin this cultural festival for Ari and the rest of these kids, I will hate this show for all of eternity, <laughs> and I will curse your name forever. So I was very mad. Um, thankfully, you know. The, Spoilers, that doesn't happen. Um, Togata continues to be too beautiful for this world. I oh, love yeah. him every time he appears on screen. <laughs> uh, and I think it was nice that the other characters got to shine a little bit in the cultural festival, like Jiro. Jiro plays a really big part. Um, and I liked the school festival a lot. It made me smile. It made me laugh. Uh, and it almost made me tear up a little bit when Eri finally smiles. Like, that was so huge. After all that poor girl has been through, I was like, oh my oh, gosh, yeah. this is my reward. Um, it's very telling when a show, like, it, it it puts the school festival arc on, which is totally a throwaway, and I'm ecstatic about it. So, mm, good job, season right. four. Uh, the other couple things I want to mention, just, just real quick, are the tiny little moments of world building. Um, they have a shot at one point of this villain from quite a while ago who wrote a biography so it's either biography or pseudobiography and it's sold in bookstores which gave this really fascinating look into free speech in this world like you can publish a book if you are a villain and it will be sold to the public right like that kind of stuff exists uh the other episode i want to mention is the aoyama the really weird aoyama episode um so I aoyama is naval laser uh, he has oh, this laser that shoots out of his belly button. It was really <laughs> weird. You watch this episode, and it, it seems like a complete nonsense one. Aoyama sort of follows Deku around Creepily. and looks really creepy. Yeah, he looks really creepy. And uh, Deku's like, what is your deal? And so Aoyama corners him, and you're like, you think that Aoyama's figured it out, that he's all, you know, all for one. One for all, sorry. Uh, and Aoyama's like, you're just like me, aren't you? Your quirk is not built for your body. And so naval laser that he has, it doesn't quite fit his body. Like sometimes, I don't really know how it works, but the laser sort of leaks out of the belly button and he has to 
go and change costume. Like his costume is designed to keep it contained within his his navel. And my husband watched it and then was like, he had the best phrase for it. He's like, that was the episode I didn't know I needed. Huh. Like your quirk doesn't just manifest and you're like, oh yeah, now I'm good to go in society. Your quirk might not fit your body. You might get something that doesn't work with your structure and who you are and can cause almost what this world uses as like a an illness, you know, which which was really neat. So those tiny moments of, of world building and at the very end they do a it's not a popularity contest, you know, it's based on actual statistics as to how they choose who the next number two, number three hero is and there's a structure to this world. So just, you know, a real big shout out to the author of My Hero. He he really thinks through all these tiny little pieces. So Very cool. Yeah. Watch that show. All right. Um, so now that we've gushed about My Hero, you know, having long established itself as, you know, some of the best shonen out there for quite some time now, uh, what is next? We had some wonkier shows this uh, season, and I think one of those was called Smile Down the Runway. Get ready. Get ready, gentlemen. So, my gosh, this was an absolute roller coaster. Um, and not a good one. I was going to say, I like want... a wee roller coaster no, or no, an ah roller coaster? No, like an ah roller coaster. <laughs> I, I want to like this show. Let's start off with that. Like, I love Project Runway. I am watching Making the Cut on Amazon Prime. I I really, despite not having a great fashion sense, I love watching it, I think, because I have a love of architecture. And to me... It's it's like a combination of architecture and art. Like, not that architecture isn't art, but like the hard side of architecture, structural side, and then the artistic side with, with fabric. So I, I really like it. And um, this this is a fashion show playing out like a sports anime. I want it to be good. That does sound right. And rad. yeah, it, sh- it should. And it's, it's not. So just really quick, uh, lead character Chiyuki is too short to be a model. Uh, I think you have to be like at least 5'9", and that's like a short model. Uh, and she's five, barely 5'2 five, and a half or something. And the other lead character is Ikto. He is too poor to be in design school. So, And he's got three younger sisters, and he is like, I'm just going to go be a salary man so I can help them out. My mother's in the hospital. Like, all that good stuff. So he's uh, he's the other one. And this was a real opportunity to show us two sides of a very similar coin, the fashion industry side and what it takes to be a model. And I think there's tons of shows showing the fashion industry side. I have no idea what the journey of a model is, and I wanted to know. And instead, we just don't get any of that. So Chiyuki's oh. initially really hard to stomach. Yeah, oh my gosh. Chiyuki's initially really hard to stomach. She's just kind of brash. She's kind of caustic. And you're like, she isn't really our lead character, is she? The show rapidly swaps over to Ikto. It's almost like it, it heard us th- talking through Hulu and was like, just just kidding. Now you can follow Ikto, who's your stereotypical, like, absolute sweetheart on a journey of, of growth, a la sports anime. Uh, so this has major plotting problems. You would think that a show that has two characters doing something in a very similar industry would be able to weave together and it can't it can't handle both these plots simultaneously it just flubs both of them and yeah it's just holy moly um episode one was super confusing both ikdu 
Ito and Chiyuki get exactly what they want. Day one, eight o'clock. Uh, my husband and I were like, is this a gag anime? Like, did the show just end in episode <laughs> one? Like, Chiyuki's like, I'm too short to be Roll a model. credits. End of episode one, she gets a call from some magazine. Done. Um, like, you're like, I thought... I thought the industry didn't accept you if you were too short. And then Ikdo designs some outfit for her and then is brought in by Chiyuki's dad, who owns a modeling agency, and is like, hey, loved your design. You should work for me. And we're like, oh, just hand him everything on a silver platter. Like, what just happened? It's all about who you know. I guess so. Um, The way I'm going to describe it is it's like an alien tried to write this plot. And they had been given human emotion definitions and then some, like, cheesy movie clip examples. And then they tried to to write this show. Just, it doesn't tell me anything about modeling. It barely glosses over the, the fashion industry. Um, it introduces another character later on that fights for screen time. Its emotional highs are kind of like emotional grenades, is what I call them. Like, they just go <laughs> off. And you're, like, shocked. And they're like, did you feel something? And I'm like, No. You didn't build that up. You don't get that to go off. Yeah. You don't get to just blow that mine up and have me feel that. So, I don't know. It it, it doesn't it doesn't really work. Uh all of its characters aren't really put together well and I have no idea what their aims are. Like they just keep doing things that don't make any sense. Um Oh. Oh boy. I'll put in the one moment I knew the show was very lost. Chiyuki goes to Paris, which, by the way, is the uber goal of the series. You want to be at the Paris fashion show, okay? If you're yeah. if you're somebody who's somebody. Now, how many episodes are we in when she achieves this dream? We're in, like, s- maybe four or five. Okay. <laughs> and, wow. like, she goes to Paris. Wait for it. She, she goes to Paris, and she gets off at the airport, and she's like, I'm going to try and get into some modeling agency here in paris like we get her off the plane in paris smash cut back to ikdo where we ignore her the whole time like we don't get to see her walking around paris we don't do anything at the end of the episode we cut back to her having flown back to japan and her dad calls ikdo and is like well she failed and ran out of money so she came back to japan she's sad now can you come talk to her i'm like i'm so glad i experienced none of this (laughs) I'm so glad none show? of this happened. <laughs> it was just a mess. It really was. It it didn't know how to handle these people. And and I will say Chiyuki does get better. Like I wanted her to to do good things by the end. But holy moly, I can't describe the depth of which this show has no idea how to plot. It's really almost a wonder. Like, Dan, I'd almost recommend our, our friend Luther watch it just for the sake of understanding how poorly a plot can be put together. Oh, out to, of to interesting components. Yeah, the, can deconstruct the narrative and how it went so unbelievably wrong. <laughs> it's mm. really quite amazing. Yeah. So I don't hate it as much as I'm going off on it. It was it was weird. I didn't hate it completely, but it's a really impressive example of poor plotting, bad execution, not understanding character motivation, not setting up emotional payoffs. It's it's the full gamut of how could this go so wrong with uh. such an easy formula underneath. Um, I consider sports anime the like the baby zone. You you basically it's it's like a <laughs> kit that you're handed, right? Lead Emotional investment rival. is built in, right? Come on. So anywho, wow, 
Um, I would not watch more of this show, and I don't recommend it. So uh. it's it's just it didn't live up to what it should have been. It wasn't it wasn't gripping. It wasn't investing. Like just no, just no, just no. Frown frown down the runway. Don't go. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I hate to follow up bad news with more bad news, but. There was another show that I watched this season. It was a leftover from last season because the entire release structure of this uh, series was completely off the walls. And that is Babylon. Ooh. Babylon! I'm so excited. Dan, before you go into it, dear viewer audience, I have failed you. Like, the trade crash was just so explosive and filled with flames that I had to look away. My eyes were seared. So only Dan, who has amazing goggles of jadedness which allow him to see through the trash made it through this garbage for you our viewers so thank you dan thank you dan you're welcome i'm sorry for your eyes dan. tell us I'm if you're suffering so okay where uh babylon ended last core was basically with uh our main character's only partner that had any significant development, and the only other woman that he seemed to actually respect outside of his wife, who's barely a character at all, getting dismembered live on camera by the villainess of this show, who is basically Satan. That is correct. So Just that halfway point. Yeah, fair, fair point to you know take a take a brief two week hiatus before the next episode because this whole thing came out like. Several episodes in one go, then there was like a month-long break, then there was like no regular uh, weekly episodes for, you know, maybe a month, and then another two-week break. It was it was all scattershot uh, from episode eight onward especially. So they carried it over into this core, and there were four more episodes of just absolute nonsense. Because immediately after these events, after, you know, again, this one other competent character was permanently taken out of the picture we move to america always a good time in any but anime. not just anywhere in america this well, part i do know i will get to i will get to that in a moment because it turns out that uh you know with this whole with this city basically declaring that suicide is now legal and you know anyone who wants to is free to do so with no legal repercussions if you fail or other uh or other issues all the rest of the world is starting to pay attention like distressingly fast considering that it is you know one city in Japan and America starts to take notice you know you've got like the secretary of state and a bunch of other officials and talking about this and the the president starts to like look into this because it's becoming like other cities in other countries are starting to adopt it including eventually in the US the, that hotbed of liberal thought Hartford Connecticut <laughs> Hartford Connecticut that's a, something i never thought i would hear in anime but, I mean, it is nice to see them branching out from places that aren't Washington, D.C., L.A., S.F., or New York. So, mm. Yeah, good on them. But Hartford, though, why? It turns out that part of it, they try to make 
something about it being the insurance capital of the world, but that never actually comes into play. Like, I thought, oh, this woman is trying to, you know, manipulate people into getting it past here because if, like, she can cause chaos here with people with people dying, like, maybe there's some kind of, like, grand worldwide insurance scheme going on. No, that never really comes up. It turns out that she's just here to sow chaos because she is Satan. She is evil. She is the whore of Babylon. Like, her entire purpose is to is to seduce and manipulate people and convince them to kill themselves. Like, just magically. Not through, like, not through, like, convincing them to do things for her that get them killed. Not for, you know, not, like, hypnosis exactly. It's just straight-up magic, essentially. And oh, so... Well, all right, then. So, what ends up happening is our hero, you know... Captain Justice, I have forgotten his name. Zen. Zen, yes. Goes to America to become an basically a honorary FBI agent. I don't remember the exact term they use. So that he can carry a gun so that when he meets her, he can shoot her. Like, dude, you're in America. There are easier ways to get a gun. Yeah, but he's going to do it legal so he doesn't get in trouble when he shoots her. I suppose so. Sounds very monster. I guess it's like this thing is trying to be monster so hard and failing so spectacularly. It is, oh, it hurts so bad because I love monster. Monster is one of the right. Monster is great. Yeah, it's one of the best thrillers that you know. It is one of the few shows that can keep your attention wrapped for its entire nearly eighty episode length. This thing can barely keep it going for twelve. And there's like this. Okay, so. He's in America, he's talking, like, face-to-face with the president, is the only person who knows, like, this woman, and has met her face-to-face, and has lived to tell about it, and the president ends up in this conference with the leaders of a bunch of other nations, including, like, France, Great Britain, and, oh god, I don't even remember all of the other ones, but, like, it's basically the G8, and... Start, they start discussing, like, the morality of suicide and, like, whether this law is moral or whatever. There's a part where it's, like, all of them talking in, like, this weird starscape thing. Like, the show is trying so hard to sound like it's morally or psychologically complex, and it's just not. All of the... the entire script is just empty words. It is so disappointingly thin. And then, then, they learn that that this woman is, like, basically trying to hijack the whole thing. It's like, we have to protect these heads of state, we gotta protect the president, like, but she's, but she's manipulated someone else into one, or she, it appears that she has manipulated someone else into, uh, into committing suicide. And, like, but they want to talk to the President of the United States. Okay. Sure. Why not? All right. All right. And... not getting anywhere, but all right. And you think, like, it's like, okay, well, don't put the President on the line, because no one would ever do that. And they do, through an interpreter. In, In the only clever moment of the show, which is that the partner, the FBI partner that Zen had assigned to him, actually spoke Japanese... And criticized him on his English, but didn't tell him about this until it was dramatically appropriate. About the only time that I got mm. an actual chuckle out of that show. But, like, so the president talks to this uh, talks to this woman, and it's like, okay, the love of God, 
like don't let this happen direct directly because if this woman talks to you it will you know she could cause him to you know commit suicide because that's her superpower and she ends up getting to talk to him anyway because nobody bothered to think this all the way through and the president is there like on a ledge on Ellis Island about to kill himself and Zen shoots him because somehow that's better that's the more awful thing to do either way the president of the United States is dead and he turns around and the woman is there and rather than doing the smart thing which is just be not let her say anything and put a bullet in her you know what he had been basically promising to do this entire time yeah he knows how dangerous I Magase is shoot her exactly and he doesn't and she wins oh my gosh she yeah, it is, like, while you don't see it, the after credit scene shows that she has survived the encounter and has located his wife and child and is presumably going to get them to kill themselves, too. Thanks, Babylon. For no other reason than she is just that evil. I'm huh. so glad this show exists. Ends on so a good that... note, then. Very, very, wow. very positive. Oh, to it... just show us how trash like that the anime world can spin that Dan that sounds atrociously bad. It was incredibly bad. Like I realized how much of it I had just kind of brain dumped as I'm trying to cobble together my thoughts on this show. And I know that my description of this is very disjointed, but honestly, the show does not structure itself much more soundly than that. My sad, depressed ravings are about as entertaining as this show, if not more so. Because the show manages to make all of this admittedly morbidly fascinating schlock incredibly boring. Because it is so much of just people... <laughs> Good work! It's just so much of people talking with no emotional investment in anything. And... I am ashamed that I ever even floated this show as a possible candidate for a thing that we would follow as a group, because if nothing else, the premise sounded fascinating. And there is a lot of inf a lot of cool uh, story potential in, you know, the morality of suicide and the way in which social change, you know, sometimes crashes in on the rest of the world from very unexpected quarters. And there's even, you know interesting stuff that you could do with some kind of femme fatale who is, you know, both clever enough and resourceful enough to find her way into the halls of power to manipulate people into doing what she wants, but when what she wants is just, I'm evil, I want to sow chaos, and I want to mess with this one particular guy, like, more so than anyone else, it just feels lame. It's just, it's so lame. It's like, guys, when the Joker does it, in in Batman, there's there's a beautiful metaphor wrapped around it. Okay, you don't just throw chaos in the middle and be like, Mer, "I'm clever." That's so bad, Dan. I'm so glad only you went in there, and now I think you're blind. Like I don't know if the jaded glasses really helped. Are you blind the goggles, now? They do nothing. <laughs> They're just it's just like Children of the Whales. Why do you even have those goggles? Uh, no, I mean. I can at least take take solace in the fact that this show did not do very well from my uh, from my understanding, and like everyone else I've seen who has written about it or wrote about it has almost the exact same has almost the exact same reaction of 
this is so muddy and bad that, like, we can at least, you know, we can at least take comfort that we suffered together. But, yeah, I I guess just, just don't friggin' watch Babylon, guys. Like, it's it's the train the the slow speed train wreck is not worth the price of admission. Yowza. Well, Dan, now that you're blind, because that's what I've decided. Yep. Like I, I think you know we need to just we need to just cut it off here, so you can go out into the fields and and maybe restore your eyesight. I'm so sorry. My I will now goodness. walk into the sea. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, yes, well. Guys, we have more to talk about, but uh, we're at a bit long for this one, so we're going to cut it off here, and we'll see you in part two.